Hey guys, if you are a father who would like to have a deeper relationship with your son, if you have a son that you're trying to pour into and develop, if you want to help your son see the greatness that you know he has in his life, I've got a very special event coming up June 23rd through 27. We are going to be in Cleveland National Forest. My father's coming with me, Who my, the man who you hear me talk about all the time, who helped me become who I've become in life. We're going to be doing a father-son rite of passage event, Map and Compass Land Navigation. I'll be teaching you how to use Map and Compass in the exact same place that I learned in Navy SEAL training. This is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You'll, rem- you'll have these memories for the rest of your life. If you want to find out more, you can click the link in the description below. We've only got 16 spots available and we've already sold a few of those you can find out more at the impossible.life slash legacy navigators like your fear of bad things happening to your children or your fear of bad things happening to you or bad things happening to your time or bad things happening to your money is inhibiting your purpose your fear for your children's lives keeps your children from becoming what they're supposed to become your fear of loss in your own life keeps you from whatever it is that you're supposed to become. Maybe fear is keeping you from the job that you're supposed to have or the business that you're supposed to start or the relationship that you're supposed to engage in. There's people that probably need you that you cannot save them because of your fear. That's impossible. Let me tell you what I believe. But your weakness is not your technique. Yes! Yes! Don't think you are. Know you are. The Impossible Life Podcast. I mean, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. This is the Impossible Life Podcast because Nick and I are attempting to live impossible lives. What we know is that nothing is impossible. So instead of using impossible as an excuse to not try, we'll use the pursuit of impossible as an accelerant for greatness. If something's never been done before, that just means it's unexplored. If they tell you it's too hard, it's just waiting to be simplified. Impossible is a default label used by uncourageous people, unwilling to take a risk. The real truth is this. The solution to any impossible task starts with this question. If I had to, what would it take? All right, here we are. Episode 8. I'm looking across at a man who was recently banned from the DFW area blood banks because they can't take blood type lava. That's right. I'm looking at my co-host, the former Navy SEAL, Garrett Unklebach, a man with lava in his veins. I'll take that. I like this one. This is good. Well, that's never the point. Well, I'm going to have to re-record that in my own time then. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite intro so far. Was it? Yeah. I guess that's a good thing. I like you. So uh, if you like my intros, that's good. But they are selfishly just for my own entertainment. And I think your wife loves them as well. So that's the important thing. I was mildly entertained today for whatever that's worth. Well, wow. My confidence is soaring, folks. So if you feel me getting big-headed on this podcast, (laughs) you'll know where it came from. (laughs) All right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, you. so going back to episode seven, all the way back to episode seven, I asked you a question about what was the one thing that was holding people back from mm-hmm. living a maximize, from maximizing their potential and living an impossible life. And you didn't even have to hesitate. You said fear straight away. Oh, for sure. You said it was the biggest thing holding them back. Without a doubt. And I just thought, well, if that's the biggest thing holding them back, we need to go into that and we need to cover it. So today we're here to talk about fear and kicking it off with a quote, Funnily enough, not from Tony Robbins or Keith Kraft, but actually from Jack Canfield. And the quote is, everything you want 
is on the other side of fear. And I love that quote because I think it speaks perfectly to exact to what you said last week about it being the thing that holds people back from living that maximized impossible life where they break free, they're fully alive, and they are running and going for everything that they can be in life. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like this podcast, I think they all do. You should probably put this like in our podcast description, but I feel like this podcast definitely deserves a disclaimer on what I call uh, the burden of knowledge. Okay. If you do not want to face your fears, if you do not want to overcome your fears, if you don't want to do what Nick just said, which is become your greatest self to fulfill your potential and achieve your purpose, if you don't want those things, you're not ready for those things, you should probably tune out now. Because by the end of this podcast, you're going to be ready to face your fears. You're going to know what your fears have done to you your entire life. And you're going to know how to do, eliminate them and become closer and go further in what you have in front of you in your life. So disclaimer, if you don't want that or you're not ready for that, you should probably skip this podcast. Well, man, that's a heck of a buildup. So let's just get into it, man, because <laughs> I'm excited. So very first thing whenever we start talking about fear, and you and I have talked about this a lot leading up to actually recording this, but you can't help but go back to the, the source. And you touched on it. It's like, where do you learn fear from? And, it, you know, we both have young kids and they're fearless, uh, sometimes to their own detriment, but they don't, it isn't something that's bred into you. And I mean, I think back to when I was a kid and unfortunately I had, well, not unfortunately, fortunately I had a great imagination, but that imagination would play games with me in the dark. You know, it wasn't the boogeyman, but I definitely had like a grave fear of people that lived in the forest. This is an honest story. I, I used to think that there was like devil worshipers in the forest that would come up and take me from my bed. Don't, I don't even know where that came from. Wow. Yeah, it's oddly specific and very irrational. But you watched actually, some weird cartoons. You know, I can actually tell you where it came from now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, where'd it come from? There was an old Christian show that I used to watch as a uh, kid called Fire by Night. Man, there's some weird old Christian <laughs> movies and television, that's for sure. I'm glad we've moved past that. <laughs> yeah, well, that was where it came from. And it was definitely through the lens. I want to give them a little bit of credit. It was through the lens of my like seven-year-old self. I probably shouldn't have been watching it. <laughs> I think it was just like, oh, it's Christian. You can watch it. Well, anyways, it scared the ever-living crap out of me. And so I was always worried about the these. The ever-living crap. Yes. That's a term. That is a term. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Okay. <laughs> it, scared, it scared the gosh darn heck out of me, Garrett. But it did, man. I, would I, was, I wasn't saying that was vulgar. I just think it's a funny term. I'm glad that didn't mean you. This is what I got to deal with people. Like stuff that's supposed to be funny, he just sits there and looks at me. Stuff that is not funny tickles him. I don't even know. Anyways, back to the whole point of this story is I was worried that these people were going to come get me. Obviously, it never happened. And guess what? Those people weren't even real. This was 100% my imagination at a young age. But honest to God, I lost a lot of sleep over this. But truth be told, that's probably as valid as most people's fears. I mean, that makes me feel a little bit better about it. <laughs> maybe or maybe not. I don't even know. I think everyone has had at least a few fears in their life that once you get on the other side of it, when you can see behind the curtain, it seems as silly as the fear that you just explained. Mm. No, that's a good point. Because everybody, I think, out there can relate to the kid fear. Everybody, I'm sure, had some time when they were worried about the boogeyman or they saw a shadow. And, of course, now as adults, that seems foolish. Yeah, the boogeyman is, you know, it's a fictional thing for kids. But adults live with the boogeyman every day. I call it the what-if monster. Mm -hmm. And so they just what-if everything all the time. And that's the boogeyman uh, for most people. But there's not a topic, really, there's not a topic that I'm more fired up about than fear. Uh, because of what it does to people's lives. And even from a, from a young age, I had a strange relationship with fear. I didn't like things that I was afraid of 
because I didn't like things that tried to force me to do something or tell me to do something. And fear can be so influential. We don't always start with scripture here, uh, even though scripture is the ultimate source of truth on all topics. It's not always the most clear uh, clear reference for every topic, but I would say for fear, certainly uh, the Bible is a very clear guide for as sure. well. There's yeah. a few, the, the number one scripture for me on fear, and if you don't believe in God or that this isn't you know what you want to hear on this podcast, just stay with us. One, it's important and significant to me, but whether you believe in God or not, there's truth in the Bible, there's evidence of that, that can impact your life, and it's a great document to learn from. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. It doesn't say God didn't give us a spirit of lust. It doesn't say God didn't give us a spirit of pride. It says God has not given you a spirit of fear. And it is a spirit. It's something that dominates and overwhelms people's life. Mm. That is, you need to know that. If there's fear in your life, it's not from God. If there's fear in your heart, it's not supposed to be there. Fear does not serve a purpose in you achieving your purpose. We're going to talk about in a second really the only thing that purpose does for us. But the, the authority scripture is 2 Timothy 1.7, but the best story on fear, and most people wouldn't think this, that's not about fear, is Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. Hmm. Um, I'm just going to paraphrase it really quick for those of you who don't know it. It's a parable, right? It's not a real story. It's a story that Jesus tells to teach a lesson to people. And he's saying, well, a master comes to his servants and he's going to leave and he leaves his servants with some resources to take care of while he's gone. To one, he gives five talents. A talent is approximately a year's wages. Mm. To one servant, he gives five talents. To one servant, he gives two. To one servant, he gives one talent. The five talent, the two talent guy, they both return um, their talents to the master when he returns. They give him his talents back with interest. It's grown. Mm -hmm. uh, we won't talk about the, the two and the five. Those have their own story. But the one talent guy, this is significant. His response to his master is, so he, re he didn't return anything. He took his one talent, or just think about it. Take a hundred grand or 70 grand. Someone gives it to you to invest. And all you, for a year, you just, you know, pulled a Ron Swanson. You put it in a vault and buried it in your backyard. And when he came back, you dug up your gold and gave it back to him. And what the servant said to his master was, I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. Because he was afraid, he was unable to grow. Because he was afraid, when we, you want to talk about investment, right? Not just money, but your life. Investment means taking, every investment is going to take on risk. You have to take on some risk in your life if you want to grow something. If you mm -hmm. want your life to grow, there's going to be some fear that you're going to have to overcome. 100%. I look at it the same. I look at money and time the way I look at all resources. Or even parents look at your children this way. Because this is the way that this is very, uh, if you are a parent with young children, hear this. I hope this isn't you, but maybe it is for you. And this same thought process, the same mentality uh, won't just relate to your children, but this relates to every resource that you manage. What happens with a lot of children today is you look at, look at them like a seed. And what some parents are doing today is they're so protective of that seed, mm -hmm. they just keep it in their hand. And if you keep that seed in your hand, 100%, that's, nothing bad is going to happen to it. You've got it safe and protected in your hand. But that seed in your hand will never become what it's supposed to become. Mm -hmm. You have to put it in the ground and let it die. And then it can grow and become what it's supposed to become. So if, if you are afraid of like your fear of 
bad things happening to your children or your fear of bad things happening to you or bad things happening to your time or bad things happening to your money is inhibiting your purpose. Your fear for your children's lives keeps your children from becoming what they're supposed to become. Your fear of loss in your own life keeps you from whatever it is that you're supposed to become. Maybe fear is keeping you from the job that you're supposed to have or the business that you're supposed to start or the relationship that you're supposed to engage in. There's people that probably need you that you cannot save them because of your fear. So, I mean, I can go on and on, Nick, tell story after story um, about the impact and the damage of fear, but let's not just hang out on the damage of fear. Yeah, no, dude, you got, I feel like I just need to just sit back and let you talk, man. You're on a roll. <laughs> well, uh, like I said at the beginning, there's probably not a topic that I'm more fired up about uh, than this one. I love uh, it. So now that we know that fear is bad, let's talk about what exactly fear is. Yeah. Um, fear is is simply a painful emotion. It's an emotion that comes from an expectation of, of danger or an expectation of pain or harm. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that, right? Oh, about avoiding pain. Experience. Yeah, yes. We've talked about avoiding pain. And there's when, when you were sitting here waiting to go get down in the ice bath, that's that it, it didn't feel like fear. It probably felt more like anxiety, but that's a version of fear yeah. of what if, mm-hmm. what if it's too cold? What if I can't take it? What mm-hmm. if this, what if that, what if that, those what ifs are fear. Yeah. And if you are asking a lot of what if questions all the time, know that you may be in a fear loop of just continually thinking of what are the worst things that could happen to me, feeling emotions that keep you from accomplishing your purpose because you're too focused on the danger or harm that may come to you. And just my, something that I say to people sometimes just to kind of shake them out of their fears when people start what ifing me, mm-hmm. I give them a really like silly what if. Because um, sometimes people look at things that I've done in the past be like, well, what if, you know, your parachute doesn't open or, you know, yeah. those types of things, right? I, what, something I say back to them is, well, what if a meteor hits you? Because meteors like fall out of the sky every day. Did you know, Nick, that when a meteor hits the ground, it's going 18,000 miles per hour as it comes through the atmosphere? This tiny little meteor, the piece, the size of a piece of sand, would go right through your roof, right through your head. You would just drop dead right there. No one would know what happened to you. There's just a tiny little laser hole in your head from a meteor. Like, that can sound like insanely dangerous or it can sound insanely stupid, right? Depending on your yeah. perspective. Do you know anybody that's ever been killed by a meteor? Do you know anyone that's ever like had a meteor destroy their property? I do. The <laughs> dinosaurs. <laughs> you, you almost got me there. But <laughs> but you you get the point. I do. Fear is, yeah, you know what? That is a reality. Some people could actually die of a meteor, but I, it does, it serves me no purpose no, and would 100%. inhibit me from accomplishing my purpose. If I spent a lot of time thinking about and what ifing the meteor that could hit me. So I just say that to say, maybe compare some of the fears in your own life to the meteor fear. Yeah. Cause I, you're right. I mean, when you start to go over the top and say, well, let's apply your same logic of what if, like, what if my kid goes out front and plays in my yard and runs out and gets hit by a car or something like that? Start applying that logic to everything that you do, and you would be in fear constantly. Right. Heck, you might even lock yourself away, like, forever. You okay, know? so perfect. That's a perfect example. Because I, I know there's some parents out there would say, that's not fear. I'm not afraid of my child getting hit by a car. I'm, you know, smart and I'm making, I'm my, it's my job to protect my, my children. Yes, it is. But let's talk about the difference between fear and maybe caution or wisdom or discernment. So again, fear is a painful emotion. Fear is an emotion, right? There's a difference between 
uh, reasoning and rational thinking and emotion. Fear is an emotion excited, an excitement, it's an emotion caused by an expectation of pain or danger. Now, caution, there's nothing wrong with caution. Fear, I have a problem with, and I'm telling you, you don't need fear in your life. There's nothing wrong with caution. Uh, we looked at, the for, for this, I pulled up 1828 Webster's uh, Dictionary. Noah Webster in 1828 put definitions on all the words, and he is brilliant. If you go look at his dictionary, that's how words should be. And any all the derivatives in the dictionary today of words are foolhardy compared to what he wrote in 1828. Yeah, it's legit. Uh, Noah Webster, 1828 Dictionary on Caution. He says, caution is prudence in relation to danger. Okay, that's relevant to what we're talking about. What it, What is prudence? Okay, caution is prudence in relation to danger. Mm-hmm. So what is prudence? We need to know the definition of prudence. Here's what he says prudence is. Prudence is deliberating and consulting on the most suitable means to accomplish valuable purposes. I can't think of a better definition, mm. but let me just break these down for you. Fear is a painful emotion excited by an expectation of, of danger or pain. Fear is how do I avoid pain? Mm-hmm. How do I keep, I mean, that's a bad thing. I need to stay away from it. Pain's coming. Don't want pain. Bad, damaging things, scary things are coming. I got to stay away from that, right? That's fear. Caution is on the other side of that. Caution is prudence and prudence is, well, I know I need to do this thing. What would be the most suitable and safest way to accomplish my purpose? Mm-hmm. So I'm giving you those definitions so that you can know. You do not need the emotion of fear. You don't need to be guided by feelings of danger or pain. But there is nothing wrong with having caution and wisdom and discernment. But know that those things are about how do we navigate pain? How do we navigate danger? Not how do we avoid it. Okay? Mm. So that's the clear divider. Fear is about avoiding pain. Caution, wisdom, discernment is about navigating pain. Okay. I'm glad that you separated those because that was exactly where my mind was going. I was like, how can we give some practical guide rails. I feel like maybe I'm having a positive impact on you now because you're starting to read my mind. I, I don't even need to talk. <laughs> I want to get into a little bit of the um, the science. We're just take a couple yeah, seconds, a couple minutes to talk about the science of fear. And here's why I want to break down the science of fear. Um, there's a really great quote. I've seen it a million times on, on Twitter. A lot of people have probably heard it before. And that is, um, you're, this is going to be another one of those moments where Nick's looking at me like, where are you going with this? Um, Arthur C. Clarke, he said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Hmm. Arthur C. Clarke uh, is the guy who wrote, just fun fact, wrote uh, 2001 Space Odyssey back in the 1960s. Hmm. Wow. He was a pretty smart guy. He also predicted, Arthur C. Clarke also predicted, just fun fact, rabbit hole, real quick. Arthur C. Clarke uh, predicted in the 1960s that we would live in a world of instant communication with anybody on the planet. And just know that in the 1960s, this is pre-color television. Oh, yeah. Color television was invented in the 60s. And in the 60s, Arthur C. Clarke knew that a day would come where we would instantly communicate with anyone anywhere on the planet. So this guy could see down the road. He's the OG futurist. Uh, For sure. Um, So he said any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Think about taking your iPhone back to, you know, the 1800s. Yeah. People wouldn't say that's crazy technology. They would say that's witchcraft. For sure. You probably right? burned at the stake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if we went to Salem. So I say that to say, Arthur C. Clarke also said this, magic is just science we don't understand yet. Hmm. And so Love the that. reason I use that quote is because I hope that maybe that's what will happen to you in this scientific um, summary of what fear is. 
I'd like to demystify your fear for you. Just like when, you know, you see a magic trick and you're like amazed by it. The illusion has compelled you. You think it's so cool and you don't understand it. But then when they show you how to do the trick, the next time you see it, you just say, oh, I know what that is. Like it's no longer, it no longer has an impact on you. It no longer moves you, right? Fear is so moving until you understand it. So we're going to jump into the science of fear really quick. And my only hope is that when you understand the science of fear, it'll no longer be like magic to you. So let's demystify fear really quick. Uh, There's a process that happens in your brain called amygdala hijack. The amygdala is um, a collection of cells in your brain. um, That's really where emotions and memory come from. And this is really the only place that fear has in our brains. And it's why it's there is when something dangerous is happening to you. The first time, you know, you encounter a bear in the wild your heart rate's going to go up. You feel the fear switch, the amygdala hijack is going to happen. And um, amygdala hijack is a term for when your amygdala is activated, mm-hmm. right? The amygdala has no ability to process reason or think logically. It's where the flight or flight comes from is okay. in the amygdala. And what it does for us is when that adrenaline is turned on and the amygdala activates some of that, these things that we witness, you know, that, that encounter of the bear in the forest for the first time, you'll never forget it. Yeah. Right. Those some of the you know scariest, most traumatizing moments in our life. We can't forget those, right? The amygdala got activated, and it makes sure you can't forget this because there's a lesson that your body, your body chemistry is saying you don't want to forget this. Like survival software. Yeah, right? for sure. It is totally survival software. But we're not trying to survive on this podcast. We're no. trying to thrive. Exactly. So sometimes we need to just like if you're a skilled computer user, there are programs that you can say, well, I understand why this program exists for the normal user, but I'm an advanced user and I'm going to turn off this application. Mm-hmm. That's what amygdala hijack is. It is an, it is a software application that your, that your brain will run and you need to know what it is and you need to know when it's appropriate to turn it off. So the amygdala, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, like I said, it's a part of your brain that focuses on memory, focuses on emotions. It has no ability to process reason or logic. That's the frontal lobe. The frontal lobe is the, the front area of your brain part of the cerebral cortex, uh, which is where you're thinking and reasoning and decision-making and logic, where all that comes from. So just understand when you are experiencing fear, when you are are in a spirit of fear or feeling fear, you have no ability to think reasonably, to make logical decisions. That's so that's fight or flight where before you can think it turns it. That's why you feel stupid when you're afraid because you literally are. And so all I'm telling you, we won't go any deeper than this. I'm just letting you know this is what the amygdala is. The amygdala, when you feel fear, it's because the amygdala has been activated and it wants you to remember something. Great. Okay, check. We're, we need to remember these things. Now, how do we turn off the amygdala? Be- before you get into how to turn off the amygdala, I just want to point out to everybody because we're throwing out a lot of things about you know neuroscience science and all those different Hopefully things. Hopefully I'm not going too deep here. No, you're not going too deep at all. I love this. But I just want to, I want to kind of step back and remind people Garrett's researched this, but also amygdala hijack is something that they talk about a lot in the SEAL teams because they're obviously going to be facing fear. So I just want to give the background. We didn't go read an article and go, hey, we know about neuroscience. Like Garrett's (laughs) had a lot of hours. Yeah, they do. They do teach us about this. And I am giving the like, you know, introduction paragraph on what amygdala hijack is. And I'm not a neuroscientist. I like reading about it. I can semi-comprehend when I read about it. But this, the process of what it is, what I just told you, is clear and true. Yes. And that's all you really need to know. And the next thing we're going to focus on is how do we overcome 
amygdala hijack. So let's get into that. And this is really where the SEAL training portion kicked in because they would do what I just said. And okay, here's what the amygdala is. You don't need it. Here's what you do need. So the number one way, so the, the SEALs teach something called the big four. What is the big four? Uh, it is the big four for overcoming pain. It is the big four. These are four things to do to overcome pain in the macro or in the micro, to overcome fear, to overcome anxiety. When you're in like the most difficult struggle of your life, you can lean on the big four. And I'll touch on some of as when we go through, go through them, I'll kind of explain what it does and yeah. when to use it and how it overcomes uh, amygdala hijack. I'd like to point out that he gave me none of these big four before he threw me in that deep freeze a few weeks ago. For so sure. Thanks for that. Dude. So um, the the no, number one of the big four and the most important of the big four, um, the scientists call it arousal control, which mm-hmm. can, um, for those of you um, less pure of mind, that <laughs> word arousal may elicit um, thoughts of a different behavior. Arousal control is really just breath control. And there are, you can hire a breath coach. You can get all into breathing. You can read about breathing and you can go way deep on that. Or you can just remember, I've been through some pretty tough stuff in my life Mm -hmm. and I've made it through on the breathing technique that they taught us. So I don't think you need any more advanced breathing techniques than this, even though they do exist. Yeah. Uh, What they taught to us is called box breathing. Five, 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 five. And think about a box, right? Bottom line of the box, you're going to breathe in for five. Going up one of the sides of the box, you're going to hold your breath for five. The next line of the box, you're going to breathe out for five, hold for five. So 20 seconds huh. to make a, take a lap around the box. Breathe in for five. One, two, three, four, five. Hold for five. One, two, three, four, five. Breathe out for five. One, two, three, four, five. Hold for five. One, two, three, four, five. Right? And you do that. You can do that one time and you will start feeling better. And you may you do a, you complete a couple boxes and you will completely change your demeanor. And they train this into you guys. They do. So, uh, so you would be. So I'm just want to see if I'm imagining this correctly. So I'm guessing they would simulate some highly stressful situations or put you in that. No, actually, they taught this in a classroom like early on in Bud's training. And, okay. And said, "Good luck." Oh right. Well, I should, <laughs> I don't know why I thought it would be so nice. Yeah. No, it was not. It wasn't like it was actually one of the. Uh, more senior master chiefs came in and said, mm-hmm. all right, guys, I'm going to teach you guys how to deal with tough stuff and basically kind of broke it down, taught us the science, taught us the techniques and said, best of luck, you know, walked out the door and then the instructors came back in. And, and so you obviously used, I mean, you said you oh, used yeah, for sure. some, some fearful. I would say nearly all SEALs are very aware of and, and use uh, the big four. Probably couldn't, you know, if you ask any SEAL, he might not be able to recite all four of them off the top of his head, but he's going to immediately tell you the one or two that he used a bunch in buds. And uh, breathing is one of those. Okay. So coming back to amygdala hijack as well, the first thing that all you need to overcome amygdala hijack is awareness. Mm. Oh, I feel afraid. My heart rate's high. I'm, you know, my palms are sweaty. Whatever, whatever the symptoms you, as soon as you start feeling symptoms of fear, immediately just start box breathing. Okay. And here's some of the the cool, deeper science about box breathing is that your frontal lobe gets activated when you start to control your breathing, not subconscious breathing, but when you go into conscious breathing, like I'm telling myself to breathe or to hold my breath or to breathe out, your frontal lobe is activated. So you've already moved yourself out of the amygdala and back into your frontal lobe, but that breath not, you know, there's science to getting the more oxygen in your blood and everything. And we don't need to go into that. Just know that it works. Yeah. Right. Number two. So number one is arousal control or breath control. The second thing is mental rehearsal or visualization. 
And what this is, is, um, you know, when I do a long version of this, I talk about, you know, Michael Phelps story. There's a lot of things to it, but really the simplification of visualization and mental rehearsal is really just like visualizing doing what you're doing or what you're about to do. Right. So like in buds, like there was fear of the four mile time run for me personally, right? Not for everybody, but for me, there was four, fear of the four mile time run because that's one of the hardest things for me. And standing there on the beach, getting ready for the four mile time to run, I'm box breathing. And as I'm, huh. bo- and as I'm box breathing, I'm thinking about making the turn at the, at the two mile mark, yeah. making the turn and feeling good. And I'm still with the pack and I'm visualizing, okay, here I am at the mile. I know where the mile marker is. Here I am at the 800 meters out and I'm still on pace. Like, so I'm visualizing it all working for me, right? So instead of training, thinking about fear, thinking about all the danger, thinking about all the bad things, I'm visualizing the success, right? Okay. So that's number two, hmm. mental rehearsal or visualization. Number three, this one is really big. This one is also something that activates your frontal lobe, which takes you out of the amygdala, Mm -hmm. and that is self-talk. We've talked a lot about self-talk on this podcast, so I won't go deep into it, but self-talk is essentially just talking to yourself, and you need to talk to yourself positively. Speak to yourself. Coach yourself. Command yourself. Don't have a conversation with your pitiful self about how hard it is and about how Mm -hmm. bad it is. You know, for me on that four-mile time run, I'm – Uh, I'm saying some of my mantras, I'm telling myself I'm going to pass, I'm telling myself I'm fast, all of those things, right? That's that's the self-talk you need. Real quick, if you are looking for that information on self-talk or Garrett Garrett referenced, episode two when we talk about resiliency is where we really went a lot deeper on self-talk and it'll keep coming up. Yeah, I'm sure we'll do, you know, a whole podcast on self-talk at some point. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then number four is segmentation or goal setting. So segmentation Mm -hmm. is uh, Nick's actually going through Bud's class 234 documentary and you're going to either you've already heard it or you'll start hearing guys talk about it on the podcast. And this is really the best example. Like in hell week, guys will say, well, I just got to make it to lunch. Like we just had breakfast. And instead of saying, I got to make it to Friday and it's only Monday, they're saying, I just got to make it to lunch. I have. Right. So segmentation is really just breaking down the difficulty of your task. Right. So we got breathing or arousal control. We have visualization. We have self-talk and then we have segmentation. That's the big four. So that that's not necessarily how we overcome fear. The big four is a recipe for overcoming amygdala hijack. Because there's two different types of fear. We have that fear in the moment. We have that fear of I'm standing in front of a grizzly bear right now. But we also have the fear of I'm never going to do anything with my life. We have the fear of I'm not good enough for that. We have the fear of, oh, I could never accomplish those things, right? Two different types of fear. One is a strong, immediate emotion in a moment. And the other is a lingering, kind of like dull, but always there emotion. And how do we overcome those? I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing. I'm hoping that you. I'm hoping you know. I, I, no, I'm just asking you, Nick. What do okay, you got? Well, great. This is where I step in and make a bunch of stuff up. No, but I. That is phenomenal. I'm so glad that you talked about that. That that's the difference between the amygdala hijack and then you start talking about the the broader fears in life because that was sort of where we started. I'm reminded right now of a, a Mark Twain quote. Uh, he says, "In my life, I've known a great deal of fears, most of which never came true." And I just I think that's such a great quote. It actually reminds me of a movie we both love, Moneyball. Uh, I, if you remember at the end, whenever Billy Bean, aka Brad Pitt, is sat uh, sat there and he shows him that clip because he's like, "Oh, we almost made it, kid," and he shows him, he's like, "Billy, I want you to see a clip." And he's he this big dude steps up to the plate and he drives the ball to deep left, 
and he runs around the bases, but he trips on first, and he's 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 weak in running the bases, and he knows that, and he's so scared that he's going to get caught. He doesn't try to get up and think about getting a double or anything. He like crawls back and puts his hands on first base, and he's just laying there until finally the first baseman for the other team kind of taps him on the head and says, "Hey, you just hit a home run. Get up! Like you got a free run around the bases." And I think that that's that is like an analogy. It's such a great picture. Of- it is of how many how so many people live. Yeah. We're so scared about what could happen that we don't realize you have a home run and you have a free run around the bases, but you'd rather sit there and hold on to first. It was so that was that's really definition, like we talked about earlier, of fear. He was focused on the pain of getting out, yeah. not what was possible. His the purpose when you step up to the plate is to put the ball over the fence and get a home run or to get on base. And instead of focusing on those things, he focused on the fear of getting yep. tagged out. Yeah, exactly. So I'm looking at this now and I'm going, okay. First of all, the amygdala hijack stuff that you talked about was phenomenal. If I ever yeah, meet so a bear, I hope that I hope that after after we covered that, like the Arthur C. Clarke quote, that maybe this demystified it for you a little bit, and you can say, "All right, cool. Like, I get it. That's what fear is doing to me. Like, fear is not something that's supposed to dominate your life. Fear is just a chemical process, just like any of the other things that happen in your brain. It's just a chemical process that's a response to external stimuli. You have the ability to control that." Yes. Right now that you understand the software, so to speak, and you under, understand how it works, right? A di- that's a soft. That's a survival software for a default user. But we are becoming advanced users, mm-hmm. right? In the software and computer analogy. And if you are an advanced user on, on a computer, sometimes there's software that you know what it's for, and you say, "I'm going to turn that off because yeah. I don't need it." And so that's what we need to become. We're going to become advanced users of our own mind, and we can look at fear and say. I understand what fear is for. Fear wants me to remember things that I need to learn a lesson from. Got it. Now I'm going to turn it off. Right. So you just told us about how to deal with the amygdala hijack. And we use the example of a bear, which I hope most people never have to use the uh, (laughs) box breathing techniques that you told us about for for a bear. But in our lives, the things that are most common and where people live in a place of fear isn't for bears. It's so many other what ifs and other, like we said, that Mark Twain quote, things that actually never happened. So how do we get to a place? And and this is where we're going to, we really want to give people firm handles. Like we always say, how do we get to a place where we have an equanimity with fear? Cause I know seals are big on equanimity. Yeah. And just a reminder on what equanimity is, uh, going back to 1828 Webster's dictionary, uh, equanimity is not being overexcited or over elated either by positive positivity or joy or winning, but also by fear or sadness of depression. It's an evenness or calmness of mind. And that evenness of mind is going to allow us to think the best, to make the best decisions. doesn't mean you can't feel feelings in the right moment, but Garrett chooses when Garrett feels feelings. My feelings don't tell Garrett when to feel feelings, Hmm. right? That's the difference between equanimity. I'm not emotionally mute. I'm emotionally determined. And there's a big difference. Hmm. Um, So just coming back to fear and wrapping this all up. If, If you didn't catch this, if you, you know, blacked out halfway through the podcast, let me remind you, fear will disable your power in life and invalidate your purpose. Fear is going to interrupt you and keep you from what God put you on this earth to do. It's the brake pedal on abundance. It shuts the door on everything that you want to do in your life. So we don't need fear. And the, the big four is how to overcome amygdala hijack. That's the intense, immediate emotions of fear. And then here's the four steps that I want to give you to overcome fear in general in your life. Some of these deep fears, fears maybe that you've had since you were a child. And this is, gonna, this is not a short process. The big four is something you can do in a few minutes. 
this four that I'm about to give you is something that you need to take some time on. Sit down and meditate, write in your journal. This is stuff that you need to think about. And don't just breeze past this. I promise you, you have fear interrupting purpose in your life. If you're not where you want to be in your life, fear is a part of that equation. I can't say it any more clearly than that. So let me give you the the four that I want you to, to use and to have to get past these fear. Number one, I call it know your enemy. What does that mean? What are your fears and where do they come from? You need to think about this. You have a fear of you know, so-and-so or a fear of a certain thing that comes from something that happened to you in your childhood, right? I want you to write down your fears and I want you to do the best that you can to tell the story of where it came from. Yeah, I'll, I'll elaborate on that. Yeah. So for me, I had, to, I had to overcome a lot of financial fears and it came from a place of scarcity. Yeah, as, totally. As a, as a kid, uh, just realizing some things that, that, you know, we didn't always have food and different things like that. And it until I identified that where it came from, it, it is powerful. It locks it into place and it gives you like a frame of reference to go, okay, that's where that was coming from. Well, that's not the case anymore. And let me just give all of you, and this is for me too, because I've walked through this. Let me just give you some of my own journey and give you some wisdom for your own journey. If you're overcoming fears that were programmed into you from someone else, from a parent, from a friend, from whoever, don't hold it against them. No one wants fear in their life. And the people who gave you the fears that they may have given you, their goal was not to destroy you or harm you. Just know that for your own self, I'm going to disable this fear. I'm going to remove it. But you don't need to hold a grudge. You don't need to hold it against other people for the fears that they gave you. You just need to live free of your fears. So number one is know your enemy. Talked about that. Number two, despise your fear. And what I, what I mean by that is you need to spend time meditating and you need to really assess the impact of fear on your life. What are those fears keeping you from? And when you realize, here's what my fears are, here's where they came from, and here's what this fear is doing to my life. My fear is keeping me from living the life that I've wanted to have. My fear is keeping me from financial freedom. My fear is keeping me from starting a business. My fear is keeping me from a happy relationship. All of these things. When you can identify that, that that's what your fear is doing to you, you will get violent and you will get aggressive on dealing with your fears and on disabling your fears. So that's why I want you to despise your fear. Give it no place in your life. You need to know very clearly, I do not need fear. And, you, you know, it, that's become, it's, I'm glad that that's number two because it's become so obvious to me as we talk how passionate you are about fear. And it's because you see it as like the great limitation. And mm-hmm. you said, I think, in our first podcast that your, your greatest and only fear is not living up to your full capabilities. Yeah. And listening to you and talking about the despise your fear, you can see that you've exercised this in your life because you're clearly passionate about this. And over and over again, that is what it boils down to is you've clearly identified this as if you're ever going to fall short, it's going to be because I've seen it and I've faced it and I can see fear in other people. It's very evident to me when I meet someone that is ruled by fear and Mm -hmm. many people are. And, and we were not designed to be that way, and you'll never become what you were designed to be if your life is ruled by fear. Yep. So number one, know your enemy. Number two, despise your fear, fear. Number three, visualize action. What would you do if you had no fear? Think about the things that fear has kept you from, and now reverse it. What would I do if I wasn't afraid of anything? What mm. could I become if I wasn't afraid? Mm. Think about that. Not just... You know, because some people are going to associate, well, I could climb a mountain. Hold on. That would hurt. I don't want to do that. No. What could you become? 
what person could you be if you weren't afraid? Yeah. Visualize there'd that. Be, I'm, sure, I'm sure there'd be new businesses you'd ask that person out that you like. There'd be so many different things that you Because most unlock. people, well, I want to start a business, but, well, what if it fails? What if I lose money? Yeah. What if, you know, I owe people this? Or what if I fail? What if I embarrass myself? The what if monster. Yep. We don't need to be dealing with the what if monster. You need to determine your purpose and you need to go for it. You need to visualize what you're capable of without fear. Fear keeps us from our purpose. Caution, wisdom, discern, discernment, those things help us navigate danger. Those things help us navigate things that can hurt us. Fear hides from pain, okay? We don't need fear. So number three is visualize action. Visualize what you could become. And then the last thing, take action. You've figured out what it is. You know where it came from. You know you don't want it. You know what your life will look like when you get rid of it. Now do it. Take action on your life without fear. You can discard your fears the same way that you can discard feelings through your frontal lobe, through making a choice. This fear does not define me. This fear is an emotional chemical reaction in my brain. And I can start my box breathing. I can start visualizing. I can think. I can meditate. I can choose. I can choose what I want with my life and I can choose to no longer be afraid. Choose fearlessness and take action with your life. I can't say it any more clearly than that. Man, well, yeah, that was amazing. I, I, it sounds very self-serving to say that about our own podcast, but like, I feel, <laughs> I feel, I might just go dive face first into your deep freeze right now and not even ask permission. That's nice. how fearless I feel. I like it. Um, so the challenges for the week, guys, we're going to wrap up there. Uh, the first one I would really the challenges for the week are to go do what Garrett just talked about. Those four steps of knowing your enemy and acknowledging the fear and where it came from. But I would say as part of that, um, you know, go to step two. What areas of your life is fear keeping you from? Really, I, I'm just, are, your challenges are basically to put those four steps into action. Uh, normally we bolt them out again, but I feel like Garrett just listed them out so clear for you. So go listen to that again if you haven't. That's your challenge for the week. And I would highly, highly encourage you to really take it seriously, write it down, because I'm hoping if you're listening to this, that you're a person that wants more out of life and wants to be the best version of yourself that you can be. And I don't know if we've had a podcast to date where there's been such a clear identifier of something that will keep you from living that impossible life. But Garrett said it as clear as day. So we're going to wrap up there, guys. One last thing I will say. Uh, last week, we had the random episode, which was super fun. Garrett talks <laughs> about stuff all the time. that, And I, I've had some feedback from very close friends and people that I love and trust that we could go so much deeper on certain topics. And you're right. And we will follow back up on those. Right now, we're just kind of covering a broad range of topics. We will come back and go deeper and, on things. And maybe, maybe at some point, we'll bring some guests on the podcast, not just for us to interview, Maybe let some guests come on and ask some questions that they want to ask. Oh, there you go, man. You could come in and uh, I could just disappear for that one because I'm guessing no one wants to ask me questions. They're going to be uh, asking you about no, how to I fight. Couldn't, I couldn't do this without you. You're, <laughs> Dude, I'm joking. You guide me back to center. So. Don't answer that seriously. That was a joke. I'm just hoping somebody else comes over here and asks you about your SEAL fights like I did. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again soon. Be fearless. Ooh, I love that. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Remember to share, like, subscribe. If you think that this would be something that someone would enjoy, please send it to them. We appreciate it all. If you want to get in touch, you can follow us on Instagram at The Impossible Life. You'll find us on there. You can also email at impossiblelifepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you want to get in touch and find out about Garrett's personal or business coaching, that's the way to do it. Thank you again for listening. 
Go out there, think better, and live the impossible. See you again soon. Long before ice baths were a thing, Garrett was doing them in the SEAL teams. Now we do them as part of our daily morning routine to make us better. We are very pleased to have partnered with Freedom Plunge. Freedom Plunge is on a mission to bring cold exposure to everyone. They believe that cold plunges should be affordable, easy to use, and represent the customer themselves. Cold plunges shouldn't cost a fortune, and these ones don't. Garrett and I both use our Freedom Cold Plunge every single day. It's customized. You can put whatever you want on them. For us, we have our Impossible Life logos. And here's the best part. Just for listening to this podcast, you can go to freedomplunge.com, use the discount code IMPOSSIBLE, and save $500 off any Freedom Plunge. These things are half the price of the ones that you see on the internet, plus you're going to save an additional $500 with code IMPOSSIBLE. Go to freedomplunge.com and get yourself one now. You will not regret it.